to the What The Fork Sunland Review Show. My voice is a little bit shot from shouting at Lineswind, but overall, I'm very happy. Um, Sunland may have parted ways with Tony Mowbray, but we have not parted ways with our recent good home form as we made it three home wins from our last four by defeating a very much informed West Brom 2-1 at the Stadium Light. Um, we're buzzing to review it, and my voice is absolutely knackered, as I said. So um, I'll get to introducing the lads, and we'll get into listener questions, and we've got a brand new segment. Uh, Dave Lawrence, how are you, mate? You okay? I'm not bad at all, thank you. Uh, tired to go to win. Um, yeah, buzzing with it. And like you say, home form on another level compared to last year. Um, let's just hope we address the away form sooner rather than later. And- on we go. Part of everything, Dave. Come on. Um, Ross, how are you, mate? You okay? Yeah, good. Um I think as I've covered all the home forms being all right, but I did think we were were better in the attacking phase phases yesterday. Um and a few little tweaks that Dodziola made. Um and I think I, I think overall we we deserve the win. And it was just annoying that that goal came out with nowhere really and caused us a bit of panic at the end, which was a bit unnecessary. Yeah, I said that when the um said the lad next to me at the stadium, I says, I says Barnes, yes, says here. We need to be tight here, because if they go and score one, it's gonna be squeak. Oh, they've scored. Like instantly after it's a good goal to be fair though. Um but 9 a.m. on a Sunday, like I said, my voice is a bit gone. From yesterday, I actually really enjoyed it. But um Dave, you're kind of touching it a bit, but like, how are you feeling now? You've had the almost 24 hours to reflect on it. For me, it feels like a better win than probably I realised at the time. Yeah, yeah, very much. Um, thought probably a little bit tentative in the first half, little glimpses here and there. But second half came out, uh, came out rocking, which is, which is, I'll tell you what, bit of credit to, to Dodds and Proctor because the last time I saw a Dodds and Proctor team. Granted, it wasn't as good as the squad that we got now, but we succumbed to the mighty Shrewsbury 2-1. Um, so, yeah, it's it was nice to see that they came out second half after maybe a little bit of ringing in their ears and, and put on a performance. I thought we were a much better team second half. Um, probably decided to, rather, probably just about shaded, shaded it and probably deserved our win. I mean, we... We probably should have been one nil up first. Well, yeah, talking about match officials again, but it, for that balance, we we whinge about them when it goes wrong. We whinge about them when they go when it goes right as well. Because my God, he didn't have a very good day, did he? We will definitely get into that. So if you've come in for the not what the fall having to go at referees or linesmen, then you've unfortunately tuned into the wrong show. That one has to be mentioned, but um, we will come to it. We'll get with the happy stuff first. Uh, Ross, obviously, we, we're all happy with the result. I think um, I slightly disagree with Dave. I thought we were the best side throughout. I thought West Brom looked dangerous in part. I expected them to be, but I thought we looked a much more um, dynamic attacking threat going forward. I thought we looked pretty solid in defence. I thought we always continuously seemed to like put the pressure on them. There's a couple of hairy moments, but I think that's going to happen against West Brom. I think they're a good team, and I do think you know, the position isn't false. I do think they're around sort of the top six for me, best teams in the league with a very good manager who, despite his chinos, um, is actually quite a good boss. But I'm going to change a little bit and obviously which players stood out for you and which players did you think was the best? And and sometimes we end up going through about seven when we've won. So 
I just want you to pinpoint one player that you thought was really good. It didn't have to be man of the match. Just one player that, that made an impact on you in that game and and why and who that player is. So I'll give that one to, to you, Ross, first. Um, for me, Trey Hume. What he's outstanding. He's tackling. We know probably he's the best tackler in the league. Um, you could just watch videos on a loop of him just flying in. But I also thought he was a good attack on threat yesterday. Um I don't want this to become a slagging off a Mowbray podcast because I like what he did, but the constant movement of him into the central midfield area was starting to become an issue and it was starting to affect Hume, I believe. And yesterday, he overlapped more in the first half than he, I think he has in the last like five games, I think it's fair to say. Um, but yeah, I thought he was sound, um, really good. And yeah, he just I think it, it, it probably doesn't get enough credit because of how consistent he has been this season. And then when he, when we've had a bit of a defensive lapse, he's been obviously called out on it, but it's because he's, he's level so high now that when he does do something wrong, it's glaringly obvious if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought he was really good and he him making them runs down the right gave Roberts space and then brought the best out on Paddy Roberts too. So overall, really good. It was good that the Dodgy changed the, the full-backs around a bit as well. We used to all, like wingers changing, but... Uh, not Sunderland, but I mean, just in general, like, but the, the fullbacks changing over points was quite good yesterday. But I agree with you on Hume. Um, I think sometimes I've seen some people say they feel Hume's dropped off a bit this year at points. And I don't think that. I think he's he's got much better than last year. He's took like a leadership role within the team for such a young kid. And I think, yeah, he has made mistakes. But I think um, a lot of the mistakes, which we've touched on on the, sh- on the show of him just trying to get the ball out and, and play it out from the back rather than just getting rid of it sometimes. But I did notice yesterday, I didn't want to touch on it with Hume. There was a moment when he tried to shepherd the ball out like he sometimes does and he actually lost it. And he won it back with a thunderous tackle, then sort of like ran around the guy on the literally on the line and started us on an attack. So uh yeah, I'm a big fan of Trey Hume. I don't think I need to hide that. And I think he's had a very good season. I don't quite see where some people think he's not been quite as good. I think he's been excellent most of the season, give or take one or two expected mistakes from a kid of that age but um, Dave same question to you you can't choose the players that we've already mentioned that's one caveat because we're not going to talk about Trey Hume for 10 minutes only 5 um, which players stood out for you and, and why which player even for me I, I'd probably point out Pritchard um, it's easy to do it's, it's <laughs> we've said it all season how he just has that extra extra little bit of quality, sees a little bit of something else that other people don't see. I mean, he's past a nail for me, was absolute mustard. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Um, and he's just, he's, I mean, a wily old fox at the age of 30-year-old. I mean, yeah, he's absolutely ancient, isn't he? <laughs> but he's been there, he's done it, he's got the T-shirt. In fact, he's probably got a fair few T-shirts, if I'm honest. Um, and yeah, I just love him. I just love the extra bit of quality that he gives us, and the extra little bit of the extra little bit that the streets won't forget type type performance. I I just love him, you know. Yeah, same. Um, we'll get into Pritchard in depth, I think, because that that definitely deserves a conversation. But yeah, Pritchard, two assists, both great assists as well. What more can you say? We can say a lot more things, and we will do later on in the show. Um, my standout was Patrick Roberts. I thought that was much more like the Patrick Roberts that we have come used to. 
I don't think we've been harsh on him in this show, but I think we've naturally said, look, no goals, no assists. And look, I know he didn't get one yesterday, but he did. He did. Like, <laughs> which we're going to come on to in the fact of uh, Jube, uh, Jube, I don't know what happened there. Um, Job's disallowed goal. Um, look, we're one, so in a sense, you don't really want to talk about referees, but I think it's potentially, Ross, the worst decision I've ever seen in the flesh. <laughs> Like everyone, I'm, I sit in the southwest corner and everyone just went, no, nah, that's on. It's miles on. Like Ashley was watching the game from home because she had things on so she couldn't get back in time yesterday. So I texted her and I was like, surely that's on. And she's like, yeah, he's like two, three yards on. Then you watch it back and look, when the YouTubers start talking about it on Twitter, <clears throat> you know there's a problem. But Ross, your voice is croaked. Um, the job decision, talk to me about it. Ah, it's just, just officiating in this country, isn't it? That's all it is, in the nicest way possible. It's shocking. And he's so... Like, he's on a different colour part of grass. Like, it couldn't be more easier for the linesman. Um, but again, I think it's just a symptom of officiating in this country, unfortunately. And and uh, everyone says, well, you couldn't do the game without them, but we'd probably get better decisions if we just made them ourselves, using common sense. Because if you if you're a linesman and your job is to watch the line and you can't see someone on a different part of grass, just I just, I just can't get it. Like I've seen people saying, "Oh, his his vision was blocked by the West Brom player." Well, yeah, because if he can't see him, that means he's not in front of him. Like how oh, yeah, it, it's common sense. It's I uh, they piss me off referees. I now see it loads, but they're just so linesmen referees. They're just so inconsistent and. Some of the decisions yesterday, so like even ones that potentially went against us, like mm-hmm. I think Ballard was probably a bit lucky too, mm-hmm. not to see red. And and then at the end when they had a uh, the most blatant corner ever, yeah. when we blocked, and the referee was like goal kick, and I was like, oh wow, that just sums them up. Talking about that as well, just we'll, we'll get the referee stuff out of the way, um, nice and early, so. Just to go through the things that happened, there was the, the disallowed goal, which I don't think I need to speak to Dave about. It's a, it's silly. Um, the Roberts penalty, I think he's made a slight meal out of it, but he, he just clipped him, so it doesn't really matter whether he's doing backflips or not. He's It's a penalty. Um, the corner you touched on before, 100%. I definitely thought he was going to give that penalty against Luke 9 at the end, which for me was never a penalty, but the consistency of what he was doing, I was like, he's going to give that. And then he didn't. Um, the shot from Ashish that hit the post and then Jack Clark puts in the rebound. That's not a miss from Jack Clark. It's an outstanding save from the goalkeeper. And Jack Clark kind of thinks he's got the corner and he's like, oh God, what a save that lad's made. And then he looks at the ref and he's like, ref, he saves it? It's a corner? Like, and then he just kind of looks to be like, nah. But there was there was probably two big talking points, I think, at the time, Dave. Um, one I haven't mentioned in that lot, but... Ballard, like West Brom fans, going absolutely mad. Some guy sent me a, a message that I didn't really manage to decipher properly, but I think he was mad about the Ballard decision. Um, and then Pritchard, look, for me, Pritchard's been elbowed square in the face, which is odd because Pritchard, if you watch him afterwards, is saying, don't give me yellow. That's what he looks like. He's saying it was an accident. But when you watch it, it's like a forearm smash in the face. Like you can quite clearly see he's lent into him with his elbow. Um 
It's like a tenth of a Ben Thatcher, <laughs> like, if that makes sense for people old enough to remember that. If you're not, research it. Um, but Dave, did you think the Ballard and um, Pritchard incidents, either of them were reds? Because obviously Ballard's gone in the back of Josh Madger and, and he's not going to be honest. Like my personal opinion is that it's mistimed. I don't think it's as malicious as people are saying, but maybe that's my bias. I don't know. What I would say is I agree with Ross. I think he's very lucky in the modern day that Ballard didn't get sent off. But um I equally I think I think it was Furlong. Uh was incredibly lucky not to see red for for Pritch as well. But Dave, what, what do you think? Do you think both correct decisions, both on yellows, or do you think both wrong decisions? Yeah, you can always the one thing I will say is that the players who were on the pitch. And, and their reactions normally n- normally give you a, an idea of what's going on. So the Pritchard one, um, the fact that he's getting up, and, and again, as I've just said, he's got nine hundred t-shirts. He's been around. Uh, he's been around that long, and the fact that Pritchard's getting up and said, "Oh, came across like he said, don't give a yellow card." I think probably sums it up. If, if he he's been in enough situations to to understand if there was some malice there and I don't think there wasn't although on camera it, pro- it doesn't look pretty does it um, and, and the same way the same with the whole ballad thing and it's really hard to tell once you start freeze framing things and whatever because you can you can almost suit a narrative can't you um, the one thing that I will say is like Ross is saying that they're so inconsistent well they're not they're just consistently shy. It's as simple as that. They're so... I, I think a lot of it comes down to their own ego, and and that's a, a horrific thing to say. But, you know, the the Jack Clark... The Jack Clark save, where he's in disbelief. And sometimes you almost become apologetic. You almost look at the ref and just go... It's pointless me saying anything because I'm just like, I'm winding myself up. I'm winding the fans up. And this bloke just hasn't got a Scooby-Doo. So, yeah, the the Ballard one. Going through the back of someone, it's never going to look pretty. It's a shame that Madger was injured. I mean, I've got a lot of time for Josh Madger, even though it all went horribly wrong for us as a club, really, with him. Um but yeah, I, I just think the takeaway from it is why on earth, even after a victory, are we talking about referees and how terrible they are? It's just standard for A, this podcast, and B, for the championship, I think. Um, well, I want to move on from it quick because I'm actually more happy about the win and, and that's kind of, I think, what people probably want to listen to. But I do want to just really touch on the, the Madger stuff quickly. I know we've got something about him being greedy. I've got to be honest, I thought it was really harsh. Like, I think there's actually, like, a documentary there that shows you and the Sunderland fans were clever enough to know what happened with Madger, I think. Um, we had two absolute cowboys in charge of us and we know that. Like, I certainly know that. And I think Madger uh, leaving was a lot more to do with them than him being greedy. Um, and I actually felt really sorry for him. <clears throat> a, getting injured and B, kind of being given a bit of shit going off. So uh, I doubt you're listening, Josh, but if you are, from my perspective, I don't think you deserve that at all, mate. But one of the good things, um, Alex Pritchard, Ross, we said last week, right, and I don't want to say we're Mystic Megs here, but we said he needs to play from the start. Um, I thought he was outstanding yesterday. 
I think he's been outstanding all season. It's just a shame he's played like two and a half games. Um, obviously, we know that the club, to an extent, wanted to get rid of him in the summer. Uh, definitely, that seems like a very loud rumour. A lot to do with his age. He's like 30. But for me, he's your number 10 every single day of the week. He's just getting better and better whenever he comes on. And without him yesterday, I don't think we win that game. But um, time to start Pritchard, Ross, or am I just asking a stupid question here? Um, I don't know. I can see both sides, you know, because I think when Pritchard comes off the bench with a decent amount of time left, he always makes an impact. So I can kind of see the logic in keeping him on the bench to make an impact. Because I didn't actually think Adil played that bad yesterday and he was inches away from scoring. It was his shot that set up the job goal that wasn't. So I think he was getting in good positions, Adil. Um... So yeah, I think but Pritchard's class off the bench. He always makes an impact and it was no surprise that when he had a focal point to aim for in either Job or when uh when Mayenda came on that he looks like he looks like the real number ten. And I feel like when he comes on games like that, when we need someone to grab by the scruff of the night, he can't do it. And I would have no objection to him starting against Leeds on Tuesday night. Um, but I do feel like I can see both sides where he is brilliant off the bench and he does, when teams are tiring, he does get in them them little gaps where players are getting pulled out of position and his set-piece delivery was really good yesterday. That's one thing that obviously we know he can do, but he just needs to be a bit more consistent in it, if we're honest. Um, so yeah, we know he's got the quality. We just need to see more of it and when he starts games as well because when he comes off the bench with time, um, I think he's a, a really, really good player for us and I think selling them would have been absolutely stupid, especially when the alternative is Bradley Duck. And I did say something <laughs> saying that, isn't it good just to have one sub on instead of three at the same time? And that was becoming a fact that we're more brave, just hoying everyone on. And it was it was good of Dodsey. We've got to give Dodsey credit because, let's be honest, he took some pelters after the League One spell because we were shit. Rightly so, we were terrible. But yesterday, I thought, tactically, was really good and he made changes and didn't just let the game drift and we've got to give him credit for that, I think. Like, Yeah, actually, my next question is how much credit does Dodgy deserve? Look, he got loads of stick for like years on end, which almost stuck with him for that three-game run. We've even mentioned it in this. I think it was Shrewsbury, Cheltenham and Doncaster, like really end-of-days stuff. Like, Defoe comes back and all that kind of stuff and it just went all the crap. Um, and Dodgy was in charge with Proctor for those games and it was awful. But I thought, you know what? I was really happy for him yesterday when he had his interview and stuff. Um, as Frankie called it, the tiny and weir. Uh, what was it? The, the, no, not the tiny and weir, sorry. The, um, he called them two shell, basically, which is quite funny. Um, but I thought I was really pleased for him when he got the, at the interview at the end of the game, they said, can you enjoy that? And he's like, I'm going to have a couple of pints. Like, I feel like Dodgy is like, would be a good laugh. He seems like a good person around the place. And I know like in the past, like people speaking before the game, two is like in the ground and saying like, oh, Dodgy, man. Oh, God. But I, I, I think Dodgy's got to have something about himself. Like, you know, like during the World Cup, I know this is a really easy like um, assumption to make or a really easy thing to say, but during the World Cup, he was the only person from Sunderland's coaching staff on ITV getting interviewed about Jude Bellingham. He must have something about him if like, you know, Jude and Job and like, Birmingham 
academy products hold him in such high regard and he's been at Sunderland for as long as he has on the on the coaching staff. But I just think like away from that, I know it doesn't always make you a, a really, really good coach, being a good bloke, but um like he is like a really nice bloke. And he I was really pleased for him. And I thought he got it spot on tactically and stuff yesterday as well. So massive credit to him. But look, um, I don't want a Ricky Sabreja kind of appointment. And there is obviously one thing we do need to discuss. I think the win was great. Really, really happy with it. But like the real work's going to start probably not Tuesday. Um, although that is a big game, probably when the new manager comes in. So we did an immediate podcast after like Mowbray was sacked like 50 minutes later before we knew who was in the, the um, who had the hat in the ring, who we could possibly bring in. It was just kind of an immediate reaction and you kind of just chuck the names in the air, aren't you, at that point? We've had almost like a week to go, right, okay, so Mowbray's no longer here. We've had time to have that discussion whether it was the right or the wrong thing or the kind of understandable thing or the not understandable thing. And we're looking at a new boss and there's names in the ring and we've looked at the, the favourites list and stuff like that. Um, I kind of wanted to speak more about the game in a way, but we've got listener questions. But before we do that, Dave, now that you've had almost that week, who's the name you want? Like the realistic name. I know Graham Potter's who we all want realistically, probably, but that's not going to happen. Like, I think we know who the the front runners are. Who is it that you would want as boss? The simple fact of the matter is, and I think if everyone takes a step back from it and assesses it, it doesn't matter which one of them come in because they're all of the same type of elk. They're all of the same type of background. And ultimately, we don't know a lot about them. The They're not going to come in, provided it is, let's say, a Will Still, or it is a Sablia, or whoever it is. We don't know enough about them. So all we can do is give them 110% back and hope it goes right for them. We know that they've got a squad of players who have the right attitude, who are hungry, who have plenty of desire to improve themselves and the football club. We're in a really good position and it just takes... uh, My conspiracy theory is Tony Mowbray would have been sacked at the end of last season had it not been for the fact that we made the playoffs. And I think we've gotten... We've given, what was this? Was it a two and a half year deal we give him? And I think that two and a half year deal was a little bit of compensation for him. It was an absolute whirlwind because of the whole Alex Nail situation. Mowbray's come in and it's like, just stabilize us for the year. Then we're probably going to get rid of you and we're going to begin our next phase of, of development. Unfortunately, slash for, fortunately, we, we snagged sixth place when we probably when the stars weren't aligned and somehow made it. And we had a bit of a, a fantasy for 180 minutes of playoff action. And I think this is now a couple of months later than what we've anticipated. Um, we're still in and around the playoffs. And exactly like you said, that was a huge result yesterday and, and massive credit to Dodds. And I, I think the interesting thing, I know I've digressed, but I think the interesting thing is, is like, Dodds and Proctor, will they stay there if we do get someone else in? If I look at it and I think of like a Sablier, do I think that he keeps a Dodds and a Proctor? Maybe he's not so much. However, uh, if I we hope went... he does. I hope he does. I've got to be honest, well, I, I hope he does. I think that's where we next one. If we got a Will still in, 
could I see a Proctor and a Dodd sticking around? I absolutely could. I absolutely could see them two sticking around. Um, and I think Speakman will have a lot of say in that. Um, so I, I genuinely don't have a preference of who they are because I don't know as much about one as I do the other. Um, I really like the... I really like the the murmurs that go around football with Will Still. However, he's thirty one year old. <laughs> That's well, absolutely wild to think that someone six years younger than me, their first job in England will be Sunderland Football Club. And you can tell us that we're not massive and that we're not huge for a thirty one year old. That's some pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I kind of. I, I like this, the little videos we've seen of him standing, talking absolutely fluent French, and he seems to hold himself really well in front of players. If I had a choice, and it's it's purely a, a good feeling, I would pick Will still if I could. But there's no real rhyme or reason for it. I will support anyone who comes in at this stage, and as long as it's not Wayne Rooney. I don't want Rooney. Yeah, I think we're safe. Um... In terms of uh, still, do you know what? I tried to listen to the podcast he did with uh, Jake Humphrey, um, but I couldn't get through it because the guy talks an absolute power of shit. And that's not Will Still. I'm on about Jake Humphrey. Like the, the 10 minutes in, he went, let's have an open, honest and vulnerable conversation. No, let's just get yourself to fuck and not bother. Um, so I couldn't get myself through it. So I've also just seen the snippets and I quite enjoyed them, but I cannot make it through a high performance podcast. Although I'm pretty certain Christian Speakman's definitely listened to it. Um Looking at the odds, Ross, Sables, the number one, Helberg's number two, Heckenbottom three, Mike Dodds is now in at four and we're still in at five. And then you've got a mixture of like Schumacher, Graham Potter, Muscat, Frank Lampard, um, and John Eustace. Um, I think one name that hasn't been mentioned yet, which could be an interesting choice, I'm not saying go for him. Like, I I, I don't think I would. Like, me personally, and it's, it's got feeling because I don't know enough about him. I've just what I've read on the internet is um, Helberg. I think Helberg would be probably my choice. Like he seems pretty highly rated. He's 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 young. You know, he's not twelve. He's not like Will Still's age. But I think Will Still would be a good choice. But I just think it's going to be a hard one to pull off. So for me, you know, Helberg would be fine. But one name that isn't on the list that I think is interesting. He's just been sacked from Leon. It's Fabio Grosso. I think he's had a promotion from a second tier as well before. Just another name to throw into the ring. But for me, like the long story short is I think my gut feeling is is Helberg would be the choice. Um, considering anyone who would want over him is probably not available in terms of still and the likes of Graham Potter. That's just not that's not gonna happen for us, I don't think, with with Potter. And I just think I think still will probably want to stay in France at the minute. Um, but I take still a Helberg, but Helberg for me. But Ross, where's where's your head going at the minute? It's going to go, yeah. go dodgy, isn't it? It's going to go dodgy. You're going to be like, ah, oh, dodgy, <laughs> no. dodgy. No, Ricky's Frazier's uh, ruined the caretaker mould for me because um, then first three games he had in charge, I was like, oh my God, we have the second coming of Sir Alex. He's amazing. And then he got the job and we turned to absolute shite. Um, bless him. He was a nice bloke by all accounts. Uh, but yeah, I think Helberg, I think it was Hancock analysis did an interview with him the Twitter account, and he did a deep dive into the way he works, and it is very niche. Um, what was interesting was when you looked, when I looked at what Helberg does, they reckon he's not obsessed with keeping the ball at the back and possession. 
that will be a, you know a bit more dynamic approach which if I'm honest I think that suits I think he mixes it up so he can play nice football but further up the pitch and that's what we've got the players to do um, I don't think we've necessarily got the players other than Onai and its centre-back who can really play out from the back and drive through the thirds that way. I think we're better off when we get it up quicker and more direct. Um, the only issue is, obviously, whoever we bring in is going to be very inexperienced. So I believe it will be part of the deal. Whoever comes in, you'll get your number two. But I think no matter what who or who comes in, Dodds and Proctor are staying. You look at Speakman's appointment, they were there with Johnson, they were there with Neil, they were there with Mowbray. I think it's just part of the structure now and I think it's good for continuity. So one about the, the philosophy and the model, that's part of the model, the continuity and the progression comes through tweaks from the head coach and everyone said that this model now remains the same and it can have tweaks with who the head coach is and I think having them two in there shows that because it really the the, the whole club works no matter who the coach is, the coach just makes the, the tactical changes on the pitch with who we have available. And I feel like that's what we need. We need a coach um, who can do that. And, and in-game management is going to be huge. So maybe that's why I think me and you as well, Graham, are going and, and Dave all going for like Stilton Helberg because they've managed in games where it's Sable. Although you think I think he's massively rated as a court assistant manager, hasn't actually like other than a little interim spell, hasn't managed a club for a long period of time. So I think that would be a greater risk. But yeah, I, I, it wouldn't. To be fair though, it wouldn't shock me if whoever got it isn't in the betting list. I know, like it. It sounds mad still, but everything's so the cards are so close to the chest. Other than the the Helberg thing that came out in the Swedish press, not our press nothing's been said by anyone about any interviews so it's going to be very interesting and I think as well the result yesterday takes the pressure off on Rushnet and we can make sure we get it right for next Saturday yeah because it's not like two defeats at home on the bounce at the very least it's one defeat um, sorry at the very most um, yeah I think I think they're going to be interviewing a lot more people than we, we think um, I'd be really surprised if John Eustace wasn't at least spoken to I'm not saying I want him but I think that is probably worth the conversation because I think he did all right. And I think I'd like to see him with a bit more, maybe not at Sunland, but I'd like to see Eustace with a bit more um, backing, shall we say, because of Birmingham's firefighting a bit. I don't think I'd want him at Sunland. And I think for me, between Helberg and Still, but mainly Helberg because he's just far better looking. No offence to Will Still whatsoever. Um, he's a far better looking bloke and I can get behind good looking Swedes because it's always worked. Seb, miss you. Um, listener questions. We haven't got too long left, so we'll keep them short and sweet. But we always like the listeners' questions. I know we've incorporated that this evening. We, we do like it. So um, one really obvious question, Dave. I'm going to say yes to this one. I think he is the best option. We've played our best football when this has been the case. But um, short answer, should Joe be our striker? Question from Tony, Dave. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I think he should. And that's harsh on the other four lads that we've got. But there's just something 
In fact, I'll tell you what the difference is. He's He's been brought up in an English scenario. He knows English football a little bit better than other people. So in that respect, at this current moment in time, yeah, totally think he should be. Yeah, me too. I thought the reason he was so good yesterday was he just did the things that the other strikers haven't done. Um, won the ball high up, distributed it to the wingers, um, was strong in kind of marauding up the pitch, got in the right sort of positions, got in the box. He, he played like a striker should, and I think it just I think it gives us so much more when Job's there. I think there's an argument to say I think Job maybe is a striker. I mean, if Jude Bellingham's saying that, I'm not going to disagree with Jude because literally just about this year. To be fair, if dude Chuck Norris Bellingham tells you that something's happening, something's happening, isn't it? Yeah, like Jude Bellingham can slam a revolving door as far as I'm concerned. So, um, could I quickly jump in on that though as well and say at yes. home, I, mean, I you've don't done think it. that's a, I don't think that's a huge issue at home. Only against Huddersfield it was because we were shite. Really, let's be honest. Um, I think that when we played that way against the likes of uh, Norwich, Birmingham. Russian and Mayenda played that role really well. I think we think what we're looking for in a new manager and a new coach is someone who can mix it up and play maybe more than one up front. I do think Job could play up front with another forward. Um, but yeah, it's not, to be fair, playing this one up front role, you look at the stats, we played our best football more points when he's been the number nine. Yeah, exactly. Like stats, we love stats here um, at Sunderland. So, uh, next question for for you, Ross. Um, should a lino from Bishop Auckland, the one who disallowed the goal, be refing a Sunderland game? Apparently, he supports Liverpool. Um, but for him, and this is Sam, he shouldn't be anywhere near a Sunderland or a Newcastle game. For the record, I think he should be involved in every Newcastle game and consistently flag them offside. We even when they've scored, but that's by the by, specifically on January the 6th, if he can. But um, serious note, do you agree with Sam that he probably shouldn't have been referring it because he's so close to the... Um, maybe, but to be fair, we've had referees and the lines were from the bottom of the country this year and they're still shite, so don't think it makes a difference where they're from. They're <laughs> they've, they've been consistently inconsistent all year. Yeah, it's true, mate. I think it's probably just coincidence, really. Dave, another quick one for you. Um, do you have an advent calendar? That's from Sergeant Scooter Boy. Um, I do. Uh, Leanne got me a Reese's but uh, uh, Reese's cup thing, uh, milk and white chocolate. Yeah. Oh, decent, decent. Mine's Maltesers. Ross, have you got one? Yeah, I've got a Heroes one. Stick of the cream eggs, though, because as we said off air, I don't like cream eggs. I know it's a shock to everyone, but Rebecca's buzzing because she just takes all my cream eggs. Honestly, I think Rebecca's pulled an absolute worldie there because I've never met anyone in my life that doesn't like a cream egg. Like, I just met people who eat it in different ways. Um, final question I'll give to myself trust the process. More of a statement, but I get the question. I get if you mean the model, yeah, I think there's definitely enough credit in the bank. I think. In essence, it really works. I think it's a really exciting model. Um, anyone who's a football fan will probably be quite interested. I know people outside of Sunderland are like, oh my God, you're signing all these players under 24 that are like random with like little experience. And it's really interesting. It's, it seems like it's working. But when you're within a football club, you see certain things. And the reason I think sometimes there needs to be tiny little tweaks and a bit of experience to lead the boys through, you know, the way that Danny Bart probably helped Ballard last season and other defenders is Pritchard's performance yesterday. Um, so yes trust the process if you mean the model and the direction of the club 100% but tweak it just 10% and have your bit of experience in there so the lads can learn from some of the best players that have been at this football cup in the past few years 
your Pritchards and whatnot. Um, I think that that's pretty straightforward. But we've got a new segment. We've got two minutes to do it. So it's going to be boom, boom, boom. Um, we're going to call it the good, the bad, and the hmm. So I want you, you good. Things that have stuck out that made you go, oh, yeah. The bad that made you go, oh, no. And then the hmm, something that made you think. Um, come to you with this one, Ross. What's your good, your bad, and your hmm? The good, how calm Dan Neal is, one on one with the keeper this year. Oh, he's got a wife and kids, that keeper, by the way. Two 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 goals pretty similar to the Norwich one on that one where he just dinked it over the keeper and had any chance. The bad and uh, no clean sheet again, which is getting frustrating. Um and the hmm I thought Eck was for was a bit off the boil again, maybe I'm being harsh. I missed the old Pierre Equa who was a battering ram and I think he just needs I don't know, he just needs that one performance to feel like right I'm back. I think since his injury, he hasn't really came to the fore yet. Quite this No, no, I think I, I thought Echo was poor yesterday. I think he's been poor for a while. I agree. Uh, Dave, what's your good, your bad? And the hmm. <laughs> the good uh, Pritchard's pass with the outside of his foot for Dan Neal. <laughs> just just behave yourself, Alex. Again, <laughs> them two guys chasing back have got families. Just behave. <laughs> Stop it. Um, the bad referee and the bit that went, hmm, the linesman put his flag up when he's about three yards on side. Yeah. So apologies that I'm ended on officiating, but yeah. Um, the good for me was uh, Patrick Roberts coming back to form, which was touching a bit before and what I thought about that. The bad... I am going to agree with Ross. I think Equa has not been great recently and that maybe needs to change um, because that's three or four bad games in a row and he just seems weak in the tackle. And my hmm goes against what I said about Trey Hume before. I think Niall Huggins is the best fullback at the club and deserves a lot more attention than he's getting. Um, tremendous. Love him. But um, that's all for this week on that bombshell. Ross, Dave, thanks for joining. Uh, always good to be back with a win. Nice to feel like there's a bit more progress going forward. Um, God bless Tony. We didn't really say thanks before, but um, also God bless that we're moving forward and it's not been as stagnant as it has in the past few weeks. And onwards to Leeds, lads. Thanks very much. Pleasure. Thanks, mate. Cheers, mate. Like bloody cream makes you loser. <laughs>